Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. you curious minds out there in radio land welcome to connecting with coincidence with dr bernie beitman today we are launching the first episode of the only show in the entire world dedicated to the study of coincidences i am dr bernie beitman md here on x zone radio x marks the zone on your radio dial for expanding your mind through coincidences. Well, who am I, though? Um, I'm trying to figure that out myself, as most of us are. Um, In this society, uh, I'm a psychiatrist in private practice. That means I give medications and do psychotherapy. I went to Yale Medical School, uh, did my psychiatric residency at Stanford, and for 17 years was chairman of psychiatry at the University of Missouri-Columbia. In high school, I won the batting title in baseball. I also made all-conference in both football and baseball. In college, I had a little thing I liked to do called stealing bases in baseball, and one year I was fourth in the nation for small college base stealing. I was also captain of the baseball team and football team. I've published more than 100 academic papers and 13 books. I tell you these things because I'm a practical guy. I'm trying to make coincidences useful, not only to me, but to you. There's a lot to be learned about life and managing it from studying coincidences. So why am I here? Why am I talking on the radio to you? I'm doing this show to promote the study of coincidences. As you listen to me, you will see more coincidences. That's what I do. When people talk with me about coincidences, they see more of them. And you will too. I am on this planet 
to increase your coincidence awareness. So come along and ride with me. We will play on the learning entertainment interface here at Earth University. We're all here to learn. But first, let's loosen your minds with a mind exercise. One, two, one, two. Let's stretch your curious minds with a stanza from The Jabberwocky, written by Lewis Carroll in Through the Looking Glass and What Alice Found There. It was the sequel to Alice in Wonderland. Alice went through that mirror and found all kinds of adventures, like, "'Twas Brillig and the Slithy Toves, did Gyre and Gimble in the Wabe, all Mimsy were the Borog Groves, and the Momraths outgrabe. Nonsense, but no. There's a story in there. Coincidences, nonsense, no. There are stories in coincidences. Coincidences are the arrows that pierce the web of ordinary reality, the web of Maya. Coincidences point to causal connections that we have not yet figured out. Take a simple example called lightning. The first recorded theory of lightning was attributed to the Greek philosopher Aristotle in the 4th century. And he thought lightning was related to thunder because thunder was then caused by the collision of clouds. He thought cloud collisions caused thunder. Thunder is caused by lightning, but we've only been able to find out how thunder and lightning are connected. In the past, it was a coincidence that thunder and lightning came together. We didn't know how. Aristotle had his idea about clouds that had nothing to do with lightning itself. Coincidences alert us to possible causal connections. So the current effort and the past efforts of trying to understand the correlation between lightning and thunder has led to a pretty good model for how it happens. But we needed to know a lot about modern, a lot of modern science to be able to do it. What happens to create thunder is that lightning strikes usually from a cloud to earth, but sometimes between clouds, and heats up the surrounding air, the air around that lightning bolt, with an electronic with an electron steam stream that is heated to as hot as fifty thousand degrees Fahrenheit, which is at least three times hotter than the surface of the sun. That's pretty hot for a moment in our atmosphere. As this superheated air cools, it produces a resonating tube of a partial vacuum surrounding the lightning's path. There's a tube resonating with expanding and contracting air that creates the sound of thunder. Remember, sound is contraction and expansion of air. You're hearing me because there are expansions and contractions of air hitting your your eardrum. And thunder is created by the same kind of forces, expansion and contraction. This causes the column to vibrate like a tubular drumhead and produces a tremendous crack at first. That fire of lightning going through the air creates that loud sound, that crack, 
and vibrations gradually die down and the echoes reverberate. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. This is Johanna Carroll, host of Dialogue with Divinity on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. While walking along Kanapali Beach in Maui this past year, I kept discovering all these shells and coral in the shape of hearts. My Dialogue with Divinity was very simple. Do you want me to do a retreat to heal people's hearts in Maui next year? And of course, the answer was yes. As a master spiritual teacher, I am offering you a neat retreat called Rise, May 8th through the 12th, 2017. And the chance of a lifetime to rest at a five-star resort for five days and experience a spiritual renewal of your heart and soul. Kanapali is one of the top five beaches in the world. This stunning resort has undergone a $40 million renovation. I walked the entire property, checked out the room choices on your behalf, and I must say it is stunning. Our conference room faces the ocean with sliding glass doors. Maui is known as Mother Maui because it is a soft, gentle, healing energy. In the embrace of Mother Maui, you will feel yourself rising from the limitations of an ordinary life to an extraordinary journey of peace, bliss, and harmony a greater sense of clarity. Our RISE retreat ignites renewal in the sacred elements of air, water, earth, fire, and wind. There's plenty of free time to enjoy all that Maui has to offer. 
A small deposit is required now to reserve your space as this retreat, it will sell out. For more details, please go to johannacarroll.com and register today. Aloha, and I'll see you in mystical Maui. Welcome back to Connecting with Coincidences with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, here on X-Zone Radio. Look me up on my website, Coincider.com, but if you want to know anything about anything with this radio show, just put in your search engine, Connecting with Coincidence, and you'll come up with not only this radio show, you'll come up with my website, my Facebook page, and my Psychology Today blog posts. As you listen to me and you have questions, please go to my Facebook page for commentary and questions because I'm going to ask you some questions. I don't know everything, and I love to get opinions from you out there in radio land. Coincidences fill our lives. And if you start looking and when you start looking, you will see that they are events happening in every aspect of your life. They happen in romance. They happen in family relationships. They happen when you're looking for medical advice and medical help. They help with ideas, money, jobs, and spiritual development. If you look at my book, Coincidence, Connecting with Coincidence, you will see examples from each of these several parts of all of our lives. They're also in movies, lots of movies. And if you pay attention, you'll see how some of them are just kind of stuck in there to make the plot go. But many of them are plot devices that really do make the story go. One of the most famous movie coincidences took place in Rick's American Cafe in the 1942 movie Casablanca. Rick is pondering the mysteries of life when he hears a famous song, You Must Remember This, and he looks up and he sees his girlfriend from Paris. He's now in Casablanca, Africa, with his gin joint. He looks up and he sees his girlfriend and says, of all the gin joints, in all the towns, in all the world, she walks into mine. That coincidence set the plot story for an intrigue of love, romance, and sacrifice that has made Casablanca one of the best hundred movies ever produced. Alfred Hitchcock likes to say that movies are like life with the boring parts taken out. Novelists use coincidences on a regular basis. Dickens was famous, Charles Dickens was famous for his use of coincidences because he believed and saw that they occurred regularly in the life of Lon London in the late 1800s. One of his favorite stories was usually a waif, a poor lost waif, thrown out of the house that she was living in, penniless, with no one to help her except 
a little money given by someone to take a carriage ride to nowhere. As she rode, the carriage then stopped someplace and said, the carriage driver said to her, I'm sorry, your money's run out. You must get out of the carriage. She gets out of the carriage, sits on a stoop and sobs and sobs. And out from the house behind her comes someone who turns out to be a long lost relative who takes her in and saves her and brings her up. Dickens was full of these coincidences, but so was life. I started with coincidences when I was pretty young. Uh, I was eight or nine, and I came home from elementary school on my bike, and when I got home, I looked around the yard, and uh, my dog Snapper wasn't there. And I said, hey, Ma, uh, where's Snapper? And she, probably a little bit nervous, said, why don't you go to the police station? Maybe they know. The dutiful son that I was, and very much wanting to find my dog, got on my bike and rode down Kinsman. This is in Shaker Heights, Ohio. Rode down Kinsman past my elementary school, Moreland School, across the big road called Van Aken. And this big road had a rapid transit in between and two big roads on the side. I crossed it, and there was the police station. I'd never been there before, and I parked my bike at the bottom of the stairs and climbed up those stairs and walked into the big through the big doors and saw the man behind the big desk, and that big man was there, and I trembling asked him, have you seen my dog? I can still almost cry asking him that. And he said, sorry, son, we haven't seen your dog. And I really started crying. I started crying and clocked down the stairs and got on my bike and tears filled my eyes. And I went the wrong way. Instead of going across the street, I stayed on the sidewalk to the right. And, uh, I looked up, and there was Snapper walking towards me. He had, that, he had that sideways walk that I knew it was him. And he came up to me and jumped up on my legs and pretty much said, it seemed to me, where have you been? And we went home. Years later, I looked to see what Snapper needed to have done in order to meet me there. He made four choices. There were four intersections that he had to make a choice at to be able to run into me. Perhaps it was just a coincidence, as some probability believers would insist, but it had a lot of impact on me. I found my dog. I was a lonely boy who needed that dog, and I still miss him. And just telling the story is a way of keeping him alive. And so that story, that coincidence, was one of several things that speeded me on to try to understand how coincidences work. I know probability plays a role in almost all of them. I know that there are some mysteries in coincidences. And I also know that we, each of us, play a part in creating many of them. And separating out these differences is part of the fun of what I am doing. 
Again, if you want to see how I am thinking about coincidences, please look at my book, Connecting with Coincidences, available on Amazon, or go to my Psychology Today blog post, Connecting with Coincidences, or my website by the same name. When I began the formal study of coincidences, uh, I ran into some names, names which you might be familiar with. Uh, one is synchronicity. Synchronicity is a, a word now being used by many people as a name for all kinds of coincidences. Jung was the person who invented the term. It means together in time or falling together in time. Sin, together, chronicity, time, falling together in time. So Jung was very much tuned in to the temporal qualities of coincidences, namely two ideas, two observations, a thought and an experience in the world connect within a short time window and they connect in a surprising way uh, that gives the person a kind of noetic feeling, a feeling of something special happening. That was Jung's original feeling and thought about it, but since his use of it, uh, synchronicity has come to be the name of uh, uh, an ice, ice cream places around the country, or that's serendipity, excuse me. Uh, synchronicity has come to be the name of clothing stores, of, uh, of businesses, as well as to be uh, stretched into meaning uh, all kinds of coincidences. I'm trying to be able to break synchronicity and coincidences down into subcategories so they become more manageable, understandable, useful, and explainable. Another common term out there for coincidences is serendipity. Serendipity was a word invented by a British nobleman named Horace Walpole. And he, he came up with that name because he found himself able to find things just when he needed them and began to call it Walpoleania. But after he read a story about the two princes of Serendip, Serendip is a, uh, the name of the island now called uh, Sri Lanka, was Ceylon. These three princes of, of Serendip were sent out by their fathers to find out how the world worked. And they discovered things by accident. And serendipity has come to mean finding something that you're looking for by accident or finding something when you're looking for something else that's even better than what you were looking for in the first place. These terms deserve to be continued to be used, and I will use them in the ways in which they can be best used. Synchronicity in a Jungian current terminology is best used when a thought in your mind is correlated with an event in your environment and helps you to individuate and it helps you to do it in a surprising and powerful way. In the next segment, we will continue to look at how coincidences occur in regular society. I'll talk about the Weird Coincidence Survey and some of its results. And in the segment after that, I'll introduce a new segment that will be reoccurring, um, one that I call 
coincidence of the week. And another new segment will be the true adventures of Dr. Coincidence. The coincidences involved with the weird coincidence survey came about because I was trying to be able to understand how it is that coincidences actually take place in the real world. How are people using them and how common are they? And what I ask you to do is consider the question of which coincidences do you think are the most common and which coincidences do you think are the most common to you? You can go to my website, coincider.com, and be able to see whether or not you are coincidence sensitive. Some of the most interesting coincidences are the, some of the most common. Uh, these common coincidences include some very specific things like thinking of someone and having that person call you on the phone or text message you. There are other coincidences that are also quite common, including thinking of a song and hearing it on the radio, or seeing it on the TV, or hearing on the radio or the internet. One of my favorites is thinking of an idea and also seeing it on the radio or the internet. And I'll go ahead with one of the stories that was most uh, prominent to me in being able to continue my work with coincidences in finding an idea on the internet that helped me develop some of my theory about how coincidences operate. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge, breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. 
Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Welcome back to Connecting with Coincidences with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. That's me. Thanks for sticking with me. I'm still learning this business and working with my great producer, Rob McCollum, to be able to do this right. And we keep learning from our errors. And I'm going to recall for you that we ended talking about weird coincidences and how often they take place. When I was at the University of Missouri, I wanted to ask a question. As a, as a guy who tries to be a scientist, I wanted to know just how many coincidences are there out there? How, how many do people experience? What, what are they like? Uh, and I went at it as if I didn't know the answer to that question and assembled a great team of, of psychology researchers to try to answer that question. And we went through a lot of different iterations to be able to come up with our final weird coincidence survey. We had to take from the literature all the kind of coincidences that people had mentioned and said were common and then distill them down to the seven or eight that we've got now. And they're not all the coincidences that exist out there. 
but they are the most common ones. And then of those most common ones, we wanted to know which are yet the most common. And the most common ones, you can read about on my Psychology Today blog called The Five Most Common Coincidences. You can see that the most common coincidence is, I think, of calling someone only to have that person unexpectedly call me. The key word is unexpectedly. I mean, if if, uh, Rob McConnell says he's going to call me at 9.30 and he calls, that's not a coincidence that's surprising. It's not unexpected. It's the person you haven't heard from in a year who you start thinking about and uh, that person calls. Another very common coincidence is I think of an idea and hear or see it on the radio, TV, or Internet. Uh, There are lots of ideas floating around in our minds, and some of the same ideas are floating around on the Internet, particularly on the Internet where you can find almost anything. But how do you put your mind's thoughts together with what happens on the Internet? That becomes a fun question to answer, and it's variable. Sometimes you just know where to go, and sometimes you're just scamming around, and you come up with something, and there it is. I had a question one day. Um, as I was writing about coincidences, I had a theoretical question. And it was the last chapter of my book, Connecting with Coincidences, available on Amazon, about how to think about how coincidences take place. At least some of the ones that are harder to understand outside of probability and other more common explanations. How do, you, how do I explain something I call human GPS. And human GPS is something like what uh, Horace Walpole could describe as finding what he needs when he needs it. In order to do that, you got to move. Serendipity doesn't happen just because you're sitting there. Not usually. you got to be doing something. you got to be out there in the world like the three princes of Serendip were out in the world investigating it. So I had this question of how do I explain human GPS, the ability to get to a place where we find something or someone or an idea that we need, something about our brains, something about our minds, something about what I call the psychosphere. The psychosphere is our mental atmosphere. Just as we breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide, we breathe in ideas and emotions and we breathe out ideas and emotions, or what I call information-energy. We're surrounded and contained within us information and energy. So I was looking for the brain basis, possibly, of how we do this human GPS. Well, I got frustrated as I was writing this chapter on the psychosphere. I got frustrated and went to the front page of the New York Times Uh, which I have done uh, fairly regularly, uh, just to kind of distract myself. And there on the front page of the New York Times was an article entitled, Researchers Discover Human GPS. Well, it wasn't the kind of GPS I'm talking about, but it formed the basis of the possibility of that human GPS that I am talking about. It was about how our brains, if we can generalize from rat brains, can measure 
where we are in three-dimensional space. It was discovery of grid cells. These are cells in the form of a grid which help organize our position in space so that once we've been in a certain place, our brains represent that space. One of the very, very interesting uh, analogs of that uh, involves the hippocampus of taxi drivers in London. The hippocampus is very much related to our ability to remember. And an enlarged hippocampus may reflect a lot of use of that hippocampus. And sure enough, the hippocampus, the hippocampi, and they're both sides of our brains, of London taxi drivers were larger than normal. Why? If you've ever been in London, you know that the streets were developed off of what probably were cattle cattle trails. They kind of wander and meander in all kinds of different funny ways, and it's they don't meet the way the Manhattan uh, street grid is laid out in streets and avenues. They wander all over the place. Boston is a bit of a similarity to it with all its meandering streets. So the hippocampus has a lot to do with the way we remember our position in space. And grid cells are part of the way we remember. So it looks to me like grid cells and human GPS may be related. There's a little more to do with that. You have to understand some other questions about the, how the psychosphere works. But it laid the basis for my theory of how human GPS might happen. That was my having a question, only to have it answered by an external source, radio, TV, or other people, before I can ask it. This was and is one of the most common coincidences that people experience. Now, if you want to get a measure of your coincidence sensitivity, please go to my website, coincider.com, or put in Connecting with Coincidences, and go to that website, Google will lead you there, and take the survey. And you will be able to get a measure of just how coincidence-sensitive you are. And if you care to, please write one of your coincidence stories in the place provided. So you've heard me talk about coincidences being relatively common. I say very common, actually. But why study them? Uh, what is the cash value of coincidence studies? I'm trying to develop a field, a new field, an interdisciplinary field called coincidence studies that will take ideas from anthropology to physics to definitely mathematics and psychology and try to put history together with, uh, with studies of the future uh, and possibly parapsychological ideas to see how coincidences operate in everyday life. Coincidences provide us windows into new realities. Kind of a fun way of saying it is coincidences alert us to the mysterious hiding in plain sight. They expand our access to currently hidden personal potentials like this human GPS idea that I will talk about in future radio programs. 
they point to hidden causes. Just like the coincidence between lightning and thunder, for millennia, human beings have heard lightning followed by thunder. That's a correlation in time that begins to look like uh, synchronicity from Jung's perspective, being as the two happen within a short period of time with each other. But only recently have we been able to unravel the causal mechanism that links the lightning, the superheated air of the lightning, with the thunderclap and the rumbling of thunder. The same is true for lots of coincidences. They alert us to potential causal connections that we might not yet have been able to pay attention to. And throughout this series of weekly radio programs, I will be pointing out various ways coincidences might be telling us there's something else going on here, ladies and gentlemen, and we should be paying attention. Coincidences are question marks. Coincidences are question marks in each of our lives. And those question marks have two questions within them. What do they mean to you? What is the personal meaning of a coincidence to you? And how can they best be explained? Uh, A friend of mine loves to say, what are the odds? What are the odds? And when they say, when people say, what are the odds? What they're really saying is the probability is so low for this thing to have happened that there must be a different explanation other than probability. There's got to be something else going on here. And this is the human intuition that has led to multiple discoveries where a person has noted something of a coincidence and had a feeling there was something else going on here. And that something else turns out to be pretty relevant to modern-day function. One of the most popular examples of that Um, takes place in pharmacological drug discovery. It's one of the favorite places for serendipity to take place where you're looking for something and you find something else that's even more interesting. Probably the most famous for a lot of reasons. Example of that was the the study of a new antihypertensive in the late uh, 20th century The researchers were trying to use a different way of expanding uh, small blood vessels to help reduce uh, hypertensive levels. And they were giving the the pill to men uh, primarily, and they kept hearing reports from these men that uh, their sex lives had improved. And they kept asking, "What, what do you mean your sex life has improved? The men were able to say that they were able to keep their erections much longer and much more easily. That has become the little blue pill that we now know as Viagra. That was a coincidence. They were looking for something, a good antihypersensive, and they found something else. What a surprise. And look at all the money drug companies have made with variations on this theme. What is a coincidence? Two lines of life cross in a surprising, unexpected way 
without an apparent causal explanation. In the Viagra example, they were easily able to come up with how it happened. It was that, that, that little blue pill that we now know is so popular. Thank you. This is the, we're, we, we're ending this segment going on to the next. Um, this is Bernard Beitman or I'm connecting with coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. And we are going to connect with coincidences in our final segment with the famous As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years, an author of four books, and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune into Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. 
So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. back to connecting with coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. That's me. This is the only show in the world fully devoted to the study, explanation, and understanding of coincidences. Want to learn more? Please go to my Psychology Today blog, also called Coincidence, Connecting with Coincidences, my website, Connecting with Coincidences, my book, Connecting with Coincidences. And for comments and questions, please go to my Facebook page, Connecting with Coincidences. Yep, Connecting with Coincidences is my brand. And shorthand, it's CC with BB. So welcome to CC with BB and our final segment. And this final segment I call Coincidences in the News. And this is courtesy of Google Alerts. If you want to look at how often coincidences happen out there in uh, written on the internet stuff, put uh, coincidence in uh, in your Google alerts, and you'll see a bunch every day. And here's one from uh, last week from Nancy Laughlin in the news press. Um, I believe a Florida newspaper. Nancy wrote. When I raced a marathon in September, I hid a plastic bag of my friend's ashes in my sleeve. Yep, that's what she said she did. A plastic bag of her friend's ashes in her sleeve as she was running a marathon. Around mile three, she sprinkled a handful of her friend's ashes on the wet pavement. Her friend always told her, that she had dreamed of being a runner. And here she was, a runner at last. A companion asked Nancy, what was your friend's name? At that moment, Nancy's eyes locked on a solitary sidewalk spectator holding a cardboard sign. The sign said, Julia. Nancy screamed, pointed and stunned, saying that's her name. Her friend's name was Julia. Wow. For Nancy, that was an intensely striking coincidence. Intensely striking. Here she was missing her friend, who had died recently, obviously, they had been friends for many years, gone through lots of trials and tribulations together, felt connected 
to each other in ways they didn't feel with other people. And here somehow at mile three, with Julia's ashes in the plastic bag now being dumped out, someone was holding up a sign announcing Julia. Well, that coincidence illustrates lots of different elements of coincidences, the primary one being my coincidences is more important to me than it is to you. And you might want to guess why and write to me on my Facebook page, Connecting with Coincidence, to answer that question. But the simple reason probably is emotion. Nancy got a huge charge of emotion, a sense of noetic, something beyond ordinary knowledge, something beyond the way we experience ordinary reality. And it's experiences like this for Nancy that happen to lots of other people that begin to shatter their images and beliefs of reality. I'm in contact with a woman in Nova Scotia who was very scientific in her thinking, who began to experience lots of coincidences that couldn't be explained in what she understood about science. And she understands science pretty well. She couldn't talk with anybody about these coincidences. They were just too far out for her to be able to get anybody to believe them and go along with her trying to understand them. Nancy Laughlin here is in the same position. Something happened that broke the way she thinks about reality, that somehow she felt, as many people do in these circumstances, that Julia was communicating to her. I can't tell you whether that was the case or not, but I can tell you that Nancy was deeply affected. Let's analyze the quality of this coincidence, something that you can do with any coincidence and one of my Psychology Today posts is titled, How to Judge the Quality of Coincidences. The basic idea behind judging quality of coincidences has to do with probability. The lower the probability, the weirder the coincidence. And the lower the probability, the more possible or the more likely it is that there's something else going on, ladies and gentlemen. There's something else going on. Now, you can say that Nancy's story was just an anecdote. And a lot of skeptics like to say that coincidence studies is just a series of anecdotes that have nothing to do with each other. In science, particularly in psychiatry and the, the search for the new use of drugs, case studies are anecdotes. You put 10 of them together, you can publish a paper, at least you used to be able to, and then you get another 20 or 30 of them, and you've got the possibility for a double-blind placebo-controlled trial because you have a bunch of indicators or signals that there's something else going on in this circumstance other than just an anecdote. Same is true of Julia and Nancy. But how do we determine the probability of this event? Well, 
it was a low probability event for Nancy to have the ashes in her sleeve. It was a low probability event for her to pick mile three. Why did she pick mile three? I'll come back to that. And there was the sign Julia. So there's some questions about the probability here that suggest this was a low probability event. Why was that person out there with the sign Julia? Well, probably there was a runner whose name was Julia, and this was a support for that Julia. What is the probability of the name Julia being someone out there in the world? It's not an uncommon name. So having the sign up there with the name Julia is not such a low probability event. The timing of this event, which is what Jung paid the most attention to, and which still calls art attention, when two events are closely related in time, the probability goes down. So here, the timing was really exquisite. Right when she's dropping the ashes, there's the Julia sign. Similarity is another measure of quality. The names were the same, not somebody else's name or Julie. It was Julia. It was Julia in her mind and Julia on the sign. High similarity. Sometimes we make things similar when they're not. And this is a, pro this is a problem with coincidence studies. Uh, an 11-year-old girl asked me, I, this, this girl is so smart, just amazing. She asked me, when you look at coincidences, what do you do with people who just try to make two things look similar when they're really not? Oh, well, she, she, did, she did some videography for me. She's pretty incredible. And that's a wonderful, wonderful question to be asking. Because some people do try to put two similar things, two things together that aren't that similar and make a coincidence out of it. Impact. Well, impact is a very, very important aspect of measuring the quality of a coincidence. And for Nancy, this coincidence was high, high impact. Well, let's go to explanation now. What do you think the explanation is? Was Julia communicating to her in this way? That's what it felt like to Nancy. And that's what it feels like when someone who's mourning the death of a loved one sees a flower pop up in a winter garden that only the flower only pops up in the summer. That seems like something else is going on. And so I believe Nancy thought this was a communication from someone else, from a communication to her from Julia. When you're looking at coincidences, ladies and gentlemen, curious minds out there in radio land wondering about coincidences, go to the simplest explanation first. Go to the one that fits our understanding of everyday reality first, because we don't want to mix up the ones that are everyday reality. Think about this as we begin to sign off. We have circadian rhythms, our eyes move back and forth, that I believe that 
this movement of your of her eyes of Nancy's eyes picked up that sign and made those made her drop the ashes at that time so ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening contact me at facebook connecting with coincidence it's been great being with you here on Exxon Radio <laughs> <laughs>